should you decide to accept it. Welcome back to Your Mission Pod. This week we're doing Post Animal Performed the Most Curious Water Activities, a 2015 album. Uh, season 3, ep- are we 10? Episode 10 already? I think we got to 10. Wow. We well, We did 10. We did 10. You're going to have to insert some uh, some sound sample here that's like a celebration. I feel like that's an achievement. Yeah, I don't have my soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> you could do it. Picked it in both. Picked it in both. Yeah, okay. All right. Go on. Listen, we are doing this live. I'm alive. So this was my pick, and I oh yeah, I guess the last time that we were here, we were all in Chicago. I was in Chicago. You yeah. guys weren't, but yeah, we were in Chicago. How was how was the Chicago trip? <laughs> it was good overall. My cousin got married. Yeah, and then we got back, and Jenny got sick. Every time I travel somewhere with Chris's family, without fail, I get sick. Every time. It was damn Peruvian. Every time. This was the other side of the family. Oh, it's those Ricans. Oh, it's those damn Costa Ricans. <laughs> but we did have hot beefs. Ooh. Oh, uh, at the beef? Or whatever. Mr. Beef. Honest oh, Mr. Beef. Yeah. How was that? It was good. It was very, it was as advertised wet. It was a wet beef, but I was into it. But I'll have you saying, yes, chef, I guess. <laughs> if, there's a, if there's a fun for that. Yeah, uh, wet, wet, sweet, and hot. Did, was there an atmosphere of post the bear something? Was, was there, were there peop, a lot of people there? Or the, Listen, we wandered in. I feel I think it was like 3.45 in the oh afternoon. Like it was, a, it was yeah. not a peak time. In <laughs> oh, fact, okay. we had, our service was great. We had very personal, quick service because we just wandered in and we were like one of three people there at that particular time. It was like in between the lunch rush and the dinner rush. It was like a kind of like gray middle time. Yeah, but yeah, no, it was good. And if it if there had been if the sandwich hadn't been so obscenely big, I definitely would have tried like a sausage or something else. But it was yeah. A half. By the way, yeah, the the bear is. I haven't watched a lot of TV shows this year, but I think probably my favorite show. Yeah, it's pretty good. My favorite show of this year. I watched. I got tricked into watching something, and then it wasn't very good. But I had to watch it to the end. Got tricked into it? Yeah. It was Steve Carell. I don't even remember the name of the damn thing. It was Steve Carell, and he's a psychologist, and one of his foundation. Oh. One with Don Hall Gleason, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, it wasn't good. It's just, what, what am I supposed to do? Not know what the fuck happened to the guy at the end? Yeah, So fair. Yeah, I had to watch the whole thing. Yeah. It wasted my time. We watched just something that I was pleasantly surprised by, and I can tell you that happened. Rarely am I pleasantly surprised by anything I have watched. I'm almost always, eh, that was fine. The Weird Al movie was actually very good. I would highly recommend it. Still haven't seen it. I'm definitely going to check it out. Heard good things. I've seen a lot of cool movies, I think. I saw Triangle of Sadness like three three weeks ago, four weeks ago. and I don't think I've heard of that. Oh, it's my favorite movie of the year, dude. It's huh. so good. <laughs> and then I saw the Banshees of Inisherin. That's so Brendan Gleeson, the one who breaks up with his friend. That's the father of the guy in the show you were just talking about. Right. That's right. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. Yeah. I had not made that connection. I don't have any problem with the younger Gleeson. It's just not a good show. But but the father's film, the Banshees of Inisherin, is fantastic. And I should go watch that. 
Oh, Triangle of Sadness is the rich people on the yacht the movie. It's fucking, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. If I could make politically charged, unsubtle fuck yous like that, I would. All the time. At, and I just watched Avatar. Just like a couple hours ago, I just got back. How was that? Went with the whole family. I have a personal connection to one of the actors in Avatar. So the bad guy in the first Avatar, the general, the jacked up general. Oh, yeah, okay. Lieutenant, I guess it is. I can't remember. His name is, the actor's name is Stephen Lay. And Stephen Lay is the father of a friend of mine from college. Oh, wow. And I've met him several times and... He's a super humble, super awesome dude. He's also a Met man. And we took a picture in the theater and sent it to our friend, our college friend. And she sent a video back of Steven personally thanking the kids for watching the movie. They were blown away. <laughs> that's like, that's gotta be magical if you're a kid. Seriously. It is. So with that, like all the kids liked it, which is an unusual thing. It's like usually two out of three, one out of three. There's like some kind of, they were all with it. Does it always divide up on like line, like the lines between like the twins and Josephine? Is it always like that same or do they sometimes take defect? It's all three and for any reason. It's all three for any reason. Are there are movies where all three of them don't like it and they are usually movies where I probably shouldn't have taken them. <laughs> but, but then... Josephine is, it, well, Frankie is the one I think is probably the most outlier. He does not, he really doesn't like, he doesn't like high drama in movies. <laughs> he gets really freaked out by intense drama. And he's an empath. Yeah, I don't know, dude. I don't know, but he really liked this movie. And I think he, there was a lot of intense drama. So for whatever reason, yeah, he really dug it. And I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was quite a spectacle and not in a bad way. I felt like it was, I felt like it complicated the narrative of the first movie. And it was also like about a family and I think it's four families and it's not like the father is like secretly a pedophile or it wasn't like, it wasn't like the modern sort of stuff depicting families a lot of times. And that was refreshing in some way. <laughs> like a family actually cares about each other and takes care of each other. Nice. Um, yeah. So that was cool. I don't know. Uh, I don't so know. People listening and watching might be confused as to why this music podcast is spending so much time talking about TV and movies. But there is actually a connection to this particular <laughs> band. Yes. Yeah. Hey, good. Hey, good. It's almost as if you do like radio or something. Huh? <laughs> With that transition. This might be his day job. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, okay, so maybe you guys can talk more about this because I'm not yeah. a huge Stranger Things fan. So go I, I've seen it. We've watched it, but... Uh, We've been I, keeping up with it. That's not why I got into this fan. This fan was... This was a direct result of my having listened to too much King Giz. And so Spotify, when I got to the end of my King Giz playlist, Spotify has to find something yeah. to like, give you next. And they kept throwing on goggles. And I was like, for the first couple of times, I was like, oh, this is cool. And then the third or fourth or fifth time that it happened, I was like, I should go check these people out. So then I did. And then I listened to this whole album and I was like, oh, nice. But like when I started to, and I was like, yeah, who is Post Animal? I got to go Google these, do you? 
I kept getting search results for Stranger Things, and I thought I was having like a stroke. I was like, <laughs> what? I was like checking my spelling. I was like, what did I just? What is happening right now, dude? And then I figured out that eventually, like, it was like, oh yeah, Joe Keery used to be in this band, and I was like, okay, okay. So I was looking for gifts for to put on our little board for the stream, and there were all of Joe Keery in the band, and with his like hair like flopping around. <laughs> so they're all like five years old, yeah. And I wonder what that must be like when I'm trying to think of a good another example. I have to think it's probably like a stand-up comedian who gets big on a show like Patton Oswald with King of Queens. Yeah. And people show up thinking they're gonna get what or Bob Saget, I guess, is like the most famous example of this. Yeah. Like people show up to your show thinking they're gonna get what they've seen on TV and instead they're getting something completely different okay i was thinking about that band that i don't know any of their songs but it's jared leto's band 30 seconds oh. to mars right, yeah. i was thinking about that band then i was thinking about <laughs> <laughs> uh, he may have listened to the latter no. I've never, I've chris is like one of five people who is familiar with jared <laughs> uh no they're anything they're pretty popular and their first two albums are very well received Amongst two. Amongst, they got really popular there for a while. Like in the U.S.? Yeah, U.S., U.K., they toured the world for a while. I think they were a big, yeah, they're a big deal. But I don't know anything about them. I don't, it wasn't me. It wasn't my time for that. But, and then I was also thinking about, what's My Chemical Romance, dude's a band? Or name? Gerald. Yeah. Gerard, Gerard West. I don't know. Gerard. And it has like the other stuff. Yeah, and the other. Sure, got the Umbrella Academy. So yeah, he so yeah that guy is also like soup. He, he did all these comics, including the Umbrella Academy, which then became a show and all this stuff. So he's his own sort of super popular thing now outside of his band, which was super popular. <laughs> also, another band that I don't I've listened to like the Black Parade just because it was on so much and stuff. But I don't know. I don't. I'm not super familiar with their music. But it must be a weird thing, right? Because he was he wasn't popular. Stranger Things hadn't come out when this album came out. It was this came out December third, twenty fifteen, and I think Stranger Things started what twenty sixteen sometime. Is that right? I don't remember what the timeline. I don't know. I'm not sure. We have to. And so I think it was like shortly after that, and then I think probably like by I'm guessing by like late 2016, 2017 was when things probably started getting a little bit weird on with like he's super famous yeah. and yeah, it's all about him. He actually has his own solo thing now. It's DJO. So Joe, I think it's just regular. Yeah, yeah. Joe. I didn't get a chance to listen to that. Also, here's a question, and I couldn't figure this out. Is what's his role in the band on this album? Is he is he singing? Is he playing guitar? Is he doing guitarist and vocalist? But I think Jenny looked at the track listing once, and he's on one side he's listed as the drummer. Oh, it's like they were like a college band. I, so I think, think they just kind of did what they had to do to get the song produced. Yeah, I don't think that there is a any sort of. I think this was a self release EP, yeah, so information on it was not. It's not like there's a horrible wikipedia page for it that i saw or right like that. yeah generally <laughs> there's not much information for sure generally everything i've seen about his involvement because he also was on their next album and then that's after that is when he left right. because like that was like 2017 like things popped off for him and he's generally listed as guitarist and vocalist and whenever you see him 
like videos of him playing with them even at, at, around tough. then is guitar yeah yeah he is listed as the drummer for one of the tracks i think okay all right and rarely singing i think singing is usually handled by but i have also seen several of the others singing i think they really just trade off on well, our harmonization i was about to say there's plenty of songs on here that have like tons of harmonies it's like it's hard to say in these days whether or not it's like separate members of the band or just someone that's been like layered layer exactly yeah double triple quadruple tracked or whatever so it's hard to say but i would say the vocals are not a super important part of this record i would say i don't know does someone disagree no i think this is like in that category of where if anything the vocals are more like playing the role of like yet another instrument they're meant to be those kind that are complementary but not like really standing way out it's also interesting that you chose to say that while we're listening to one of the instrumentals exactly (laughs) (laughs) right yeah also you have to sit down and either really listen or look up the lyrics to understand what they're saying most of the time so it's not they're a really dense poetic like trying to send you a message just like being goofy about the sea. You met. You brought up King Giz, right? Uh, is it fair to say that these guys, they're, if they're parents, they had parents, musical parents. I think it's, it's tame. Think... It's tame and it's Giz. The tame and Giz. Tame, lonerism, era, and Giz. Any one of their weirdo psychedelic albums like i have 30 and i know some of them are like this and some of them are like that but yeah this this album i think that's pretty accurate because i would even yeah no that that's right i think but there's also i was going to say that if you get into their broader catalog like even a little bit the, the further you dip your toes into their other music one of the things that i really noticed is just like how they're really and this is a weird thing to compliment a band on, and I would rarely do it, but they're one of those bands like the Lemon Twigs that are incredibly good chameleons at picking up other styles of all sorts of stuff. You're talking about so, Post Animal or Yeah. Because nah. yeah. so, Kingiz is like famous for that type okay. of their thing. But, yeah. So for example, whenever, so of course this song came on, I was about to talk shit about it. Every time <laughs> this song comes on... I'm always like in the beginning. I'm just like, yeah, this sounds like like Tamo and Polly. But if I had, if I was forced to cut one, I'm always tempted to cut this one until I remember that at the end of the song there is like a Zeppelin style breakdown yeah. that I really. Love. This is Ender's, and so Ender's Twa. This is Ender's Twa. Yeah. This is Ender's Twa. This is like this is track two on Loader in this album, they've got like flavors of Tame Impala, flavors of King Giz. They've got a little nod to Zeppelin at the end of the very, very end. And then if you get onto when I think was it when I see your, think of your heart in a castle, I got that these album nut titles are so long. I struggle to remember all of them, but they have a song that is just like Eddie Van Halen reincarnated. It, it's like remarkably van halen and they're able to just like effortlessly shift into these other styles and it seems so like easily done which i think is impressive that it's like nothing for them to ship from this to like literal van halen and or there's some harder stuff like lorelei that is like very much like hard king giz style yeah and they just shift back and forth between all of these styles so easy 
There's also parts of goggles that have Elliot Smith in them, if you <laughs> ask me. I think. Really? Yeah. That, do it. Yeah, that song is really interesting. And it was, I think it was, I thought it was such an interesting choice for as an opening track because it's so all over the place. Yeah. And Everywhere. it is, it's cohesive and coherent, but it is, there are some hard shifts in this song. Yes. And they do that more than a couple times on this album, which is impressive for a debut. So it's, that's going back to how we started this conversation or how I started this conversation. I feel bad for them that they're like under this other dude's shadow who's not even in the band. <laughs> Because, like, they are, as Jenny was just explaining to us, like, they're such capable musicians. And, like, I really wish that they would get more attention than they do. Because yeah. people are like, ooh, Joe Keery. And it's, oh, Joe Keery's not here. T do it. And I feel like everybody who would be listening to Post Animals now, it's all the kids, as far as I know, are listening to Joe, which is his new project. Oh, is that right? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Chris, resident finger on the pulse of the kid, <laughs> which I certainly don't have. Yeah, me, me neither. <laughs> I was Joe Curious the same age as me. <laughs> I would say the thing is, is right. Is a double-edged sword. It must be right. You're gonna get attention because of famous, yeah. pretty boy. But you might not get the attention you want. And like, I think, I don't know what status of this band is now, but I feel like there's plenty of musicians that are quite happy just being a band of gypsies on the road and playing to like 100, 150, 200 people or whatever and keeping it moving and putting out a record and then doing the same thing all over again. Yeah. Some people also, like that uh, life, believe it or not. Road, yeah, the road dog life. Yeah. A fun fact that I discovered and now hate is that when we got to Austin for Levitation, right. Post Animal actually was playing the first night we got there. I think we were like an hour or two late to catch that show anyway, but had I known, uh, I would have made it as an effort. Wow. wow. Uh, but it is, man. What's do you know? What's do you remember what stage they were playing? Like at the outdoor, the stuff. It was like the like welcome to the festival, like curated show, and I don't even think it was. I think it was like at the spot where they had like the artwork displays. I don't even know oh, if it was at a venue. Maybe it was. I don't Got know. It. But it was like the opening earliest show, like five p.m. that afternoon. Yeah, I have. I, I should. I'll definitely listen to some of their other stuff. I really like this record, and. I think the thing that's so interesting to me is, is as a debut, holy shit. Yeah. As a self-produced debut. There's, like you mentioned, there's like a lot of really cool, interesting, sophisticated things going on in the songs. There's a lot of that. And, and actually that, that part right there where he goes, ah, is very Elliot Smith, right? That's the part I, I was I, referencing. I can, Sorry. <laughs> I can hear it. No, I can hear it. I can hear it. It's, I'm stunned in some way. Because there's very I, there's very Beatles-esque stuff here to me. I, okay, so the thing they always say about Tame, or at least they used to back in the day, was... I, this is something I've read multiple times, is... It's, they're like the Beatles, if the Beatles wouldn't have broken up and played together in the 70s or something. And so it's, I don't know if that's true or whatever. I think that's a nice little... It's a nice little, like, bullet, but... There are moments here where I feel like, what if, what if the Beatles hung out with Pink Floyd? Oh yeah, and, oh. and then and and maybe yeah, like maybe like Sabbath. Even though none of their stuff sounds like all that much like Sabbath here, but like some of the heavier, distorted compositions here. I'm trying to think here. Alabaster, I think, is the one I was thinking. Yeah, about. very sludgy. 
or maybe RLC maybe might have been more a little heavier. Probably. I, that one makes sense in light of I, I wasn't really thinking very hard about it initially, but I think it makes sense during where they're talking about the music actually makes more sense, like the style of it, I suppose. There's, I don't know, it's such an interesting concept album in, in that it, it suddenly or simultaneously seems like both so simple and yet like more complex maybe than that at the same time. This, this particular song sounds like, it's like Ringo Starr's coolest song ever <laughs> with the coolest imitation <laughs> ever. Because yeah. I get, sometimes I get like a little bit of Octopus's Garden vibes off of it. <laughs> oh no. Your nemesis. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm surprised you remembered that. That was... <laughs> Oh, how can I forget? repeat? Repeat one. Tell Chris the story. Okay, I'll tell it again. Right. I was in college. We had a party in my room, and it was me and my roommate, Carlos Duque. What up, Duque? And he had all the liquor and all the stuff, and so had a ton of people over. I got very drunk very quickly because of Carlos. And then he decided to put Octopus's Garden on repeat one. And I couldn't, I was, <laughs> I was too fucked up to change things. I wanted to change things, right? I felt that this was not the right music. <laughs> I wanted to change things. And I just couldn't get my shit together enough to change it. And just, I have to say as a chronic, I am a chronic repeat one person. And not, and even I am like, that's not the right song. That's not a repeat one. You are abusing this feature, sir. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I ended up, um, I ended up very drunk, lying down in my bed, and then I pulled a trash can next to me. This just don't do this, kids. Like Jesus Christ. But and just puking into this trash can at various points in the night and repeat what Octopus Guard repeat what he left, and I was just stuck with this, and I couldn't oh. figure. I was just so fucked up, I couldn't figure out how to do anything about it. This sounds uh, a nightmare. Uh, what is it called? Enhanced interrogation. <laughs> it was. Didn't have anything to say, but but yeah, it was. Yeah. So anyway, I get a vague sort of twinge of nausea every time I hear that song. But so no, I'm not saying this song gives me nausea. I just was saying like some of the chords and then. Well, thematically also. Yes, also thematically, exactly, right. So, yeah, <laughs> I was getting a couple of those vibes. And it's, yeah, I don't know, maybe, could Ringo have ever put something like this together? Probably. I think if they gave him, yeah, the brown acid, maybe. Like <laughs> Sergeant Pepper era. Post-rubber soul, maybe. Only if he got real cool about a lot of things very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't mean to talk shit on Ringo, but, like, it is funny... It is funny because he's a drummer primarily known for keeping the time really well. Like he was like, like their previous drummer, that's why he got fired was he just couldn't keep the time like in a live setting and Ringo could. His only job. <laughs> Listen, I don't know if you pay attention at all on five years, there's been like this kind of like in defense of Ringo movement happening. Yeah. Like Dave Grohl mentioned it a bunch of times. Like I think... He was like doing one of those iconoclast interviews with Pharrell. Yeah. And like he and Pharrell started geeking out about Ringo Starr for a while. And Questlove has come out and been like, if you don't respect Ringo, don't talk to me. Respect him. He kept the time for the greatest, <laughs> the greatest pop music act of all time. Still, I think to this day. I mean, 
Come on. <laughs> the human metronome. He was very good at that. He just he was wasn't like the best songwriter, and that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah, that, that's very true. Then that's okay. And he wasn't the most technical drummer, but he also didn't need to be. They weren't really trying to do things like Zeppelin or The Who or Sabbath. Oh, or right. Yeah. Like, they were attempting to do stuff like that. So it is what it is, but I also don't want to get into some contrarian take about how he was like the next fucking Jesus Christ of drum. That That's just <laughs> bullshit. And I know that I played the drums in high school. Like I played in marching band. I played, I had a drum set. Me and Brian was here. Me and Ryan played Metallica <laughs> all the time in high school. And I'd pretend to be Lars Ulrich. Why? Because Lars Ulrich is not super technical. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, so wait, what were we saying about this band? I just think the, that the, some of the songs sound like they are if Ringo allowed himself to explore. I think it's how we got off on that tape. Okay, well, it, but there are songs that to me sound a little more Paul, a little more <laughs> George Harrison. Is this the new categorization system? Is who wrote this song? I don't think any of these songs sound like John Lennon songs to me, if I'm going to be like, especially like I, I know John Lennon's catalog in the 70s. So he wasn't on any of this type of stuff, but but there are definitely like Paul songs that are a lot heavier. But I don't want to get too far down that road. Can I talk about the drums on here? Because I think that's another point where they share a lot with Tame, right? So Tame changed the game in terms of drums on rock records in with Inner Speaker and Loners, in my opinion. Their drums sound really compressed really crunchy a little distorted sometimes a lot of fills a lot of fill it's no for the floor it's like almost everything is a fill and this band this on this record is definitely inspired by that the drumming is oh yeah like i hear i've heard that immediately different from king is right like they have a very different drum sound this is a drum sound that i think is probably i don't know i don't know if it's originated by tame but definitely it's definitely popularized recently by Tame. We can clearly say that much. Yeah, those albums were so huge when they came out. To the point where Tame, we can have a whole other discussion about yeah. Tame and the direction that they've chosen to go in recent years. <laughs> but like, we I think did. to your <laughs> yeah, that's to your point. Yeah, I'm just weren't there, Chris. Add add the tag for one episode. People can go back and yeah. listen to that. I don't know. Just, but yeah, I mean, I think like to your point, like we are very much still feeling the echoes of those first two albums. And how impactful they really were. Like, it almost got to the point where, like, it became a meme. <laughs> Tame, like, Tame Impala Boys. Yeah, yeah. It was, like, such, it was such a cultural moment. That, and, like, it's still, obviously, this is much closer to when that happened. It's, right. Yeah, almost seven years at this point that this album came out. But, yeah, it's. So, I, uh, and you know what? Here's the thing. And this is the argument I made when we talked about Currents. Is that I think Currents was just as impactful just on a different audience. The drum sounds on Currents, which is a combination of live drums and then drum machines and stuff like that, I think was super, especially for the drums, super impactful on R&B and this kind of whatever progressive R&B movement and stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff I felt like. And then a lot of folks in the R&B and hip hop world really gravitated to that record in a way that like they they weren't going to gravitate to lonerism, let's say. So that said, yeah, I think you're 100% right. 
those records were so influential. They're still influential. I'll still hear bands that have the crunchy drums and I'm just like, mm. <laughs> I'm just like, I know where you got this. <laughs> <laughs> and guess two is, okay, do you know the song Elephant on Lonerism? Yeah. I think, so that's probably kind of one of the most bluesy, blues rock, 70s, hard, bluesy rock, whatever you want to call it, songs on that record. And there are a lot of songs that I think on this record follow some of that. I'm not saying that they rip off Elephant because I think in general, these songs are a little bit more complex. No, they actually, they go a different direction. This one actually, I think is closer, shares a closer genealogy or at least with like super furry animals type stuff. I think that's the closest match of anything I'm aware of to this song. So Super Furry Animals has a song called Rings Around the World, which always like reminds me of this one and vice versa. Got it. And I probably should have put that in the after party night. We should. Maybe I still would. Is it? Okay. Do you guys have, did you see the link I made? Did you add? Yeah, I I did. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You should, you should, you should feel free to add that if you're able to. Because I think, yeah, that'd be super cool to listen to. And it's actually, the more, I don't know what year that was, but the more I, the more that I think about it, the more that I think that is either pre, I don't know if that's pre Taylor Paula. I don't know. I think that this has just been like popular amongst a certain group of, a certain, some set of people, not some set of, that's not the, just like a certain like undercurrent of this kind of stuff that's like maybe been here and there and gotten more popular and less popular, but it's been around. I do think that this fits into, I guess it's weird to call it like psych revival because it's like weird to think about psychedelia like ever having gone away. Like it's always been part of the culture, but like psych music in particular has definitely seen a huge resurgence in the new millennium. Yeah. Why do you think that it is? That's a great question. I get shitty to pin everything on like a reaction to grunge. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think that metal, hair, and grunge, hair less, but like they're all very, at their core, like cynical, for lack of a better term. <laughs> and I think that psychedelia is intrinsically more positive, I guess. Or just, or like it's more kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Accepting. I don't really know. What's the word I'm looking for? So what's the opposite of like facetious? Right. <laughs> What's an un- yeah, un- very that- unpretentious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that is true. That is definitely true. And that is something that, although I don't know, if you talk to Alice in Chains, I think they were trying to be pretty earnest. But I don't know if it's, yeah. I don't know if it's every grunge band. But you're, I think you're definitely right about hair metal. Jesus, like that stuff is the most cynical. Right. It's cynical in such a capitalistic way too. So consumerism. It's so quite literally polished, waxed. Uh, it's a presentation yeah. to the nth degree and psychedelia at its core is it's unvarnished. This is, it's obviously a- affected. Yeah. There's no denying that, but it's, this is what, this is what we want to say. And this is how we're saying it. And that's it's it. Pretty authentic for yeah. better or worse. That's the word. Yeah. Authentic. It's authentic. I, yeah. To like, when you, if you think about like a live performance, right? Like it, these are like much more kind of spiritual in a sense. Right? So you just sit back or stand back and are just overtaken by like this kind of waves and walls sound that changes and takes you into a different place. And 
I don't know. I thought, like, trying to be all, like, realist about this, I was thinking about, like, the resurgence of psychedelic drugs, right? Like, too. <laughs> like, I, I think more than ever nowadays, like, they're becoming mainstream. Oh, yeah. You have, like, several cities that have now, like, decriminalized psilocybin, and, like, my thing that people talk about doing, that's definitely not how it was. Who oh, I openly talk about yeah. doing it. You don't write articles. That was not a thing that happened when we were younger. Oh, 100%. Yeah, no, it was not a thing at all. <laughs> people were not that cool about it. Even in the last 10 years, like, I remember hearing people like Seth Meyers talk about taking mushrooms when he lived in Amsterdam and stuff. And I just don't think that's something that you would have heard a Weekend Update host talk about openly before him. So there's definitely, like, an acceptance. And I think, like, it has a lot to do with the cyclical nature of we're in another post-Vietnam the people are looking for deeper meaning, which I think to try and tie it back to this, the whole theme of this album is like oceans, underwater, water, like looking for depth. Oh, okay. I mean, we were just talking about the complexity of this music. So I do think that there is definitely something about them choosing this theme that speaks towards obviously exploration, but also like uncharted territory and like seeking out new things and unknown things i like it that's it yeah that i hadn't really connected the kind of water thing it's interesting because i'm a ween super fan and ween and so i think their most psychedelic record is a record they made in the 90s called the mollusk <laughs> and it's all about water stuff there's a lot of water well, and so it's interesting to think about like this idea of like water is like i guess what it's like kind of an unexplored frontier or in some way right yeah here on earth it's a it's an interesting thing and i think you're making an interesting point about like people searching for that deeper meaning right the one thing is that for me there's like a there's like half of me that's like this music is music that explores like emotions and things in a way, in a kind of more poetic way, in a way that's less specific, less literal, less didactic. And then there's another part of me that thinks that sometimes this music is the refuge of people that don't maybe have a lot to say. Do you know? <laughs> like in other words, like in other words, like they know how to play cool stuff that takes you to a cool place. Do you know? See, <laughs> I think that those people end up in jam bands. <laughs> and I think that's the difference between a band like this, which is able to put together such a polished and unique. You disagree? No, I, I was thinking <laughs> that, like, I'm not. I think I have to maybe take the position that having a lot to say is sometimes good, but also there are people who I wish would say less. Like Taylor Swift has a lot to say, and I have enjoyed none of it. And I Frank, she would Frank fucking Zappa. Yeah. Zappa's out. So, I think that these are people who maybe... They know what they want to say? They express themselves better musically than they do with words. I think that those folks tend to gravitate to stuff like this, who maybe have thoughts, but aren't used to really like saying every single one thing that pops into their head. Right. Some people. Yeah. And I think it's also, I didn't mean to be looking right at you. It's <laughs> like, what, what, what location? <laughs> not, not, yeah. I do also think that it has to be recognized that this is, you know, what, like a six person, yeah. seven person mm -hmm. band. It just like King Giz, it's highly collaborative. Right. We were talking about the layering 
of the vocals and how there's no one standout lead vocalist, lead singer kind of entity in this in this band. And I do think that ultimately, as far as I know, like all their albums have been very collaborative and have continued to allow each member to contribute and, and mesh everything together. Yes. I yeah, I Jenny what yeah, what you were saying it is very true. I don't especially enjoy anything Taylor Swift had to say. And there's just so much of it. It's real well, she, she, she keeps saying the same thing over and over again. I don't know if she has very much to say. She just keeps saying it. Oh, I just, last. I think, uh, I guess I also just am not like remotely amused by the kind of paparazzi fame narrative, whatever, endless soap opera stuff that she hides in her songs. And then I know Quinn is a big fan. So I'm sure Quinn will call me after this and be like, but you don't understand this. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't understand, dude. I don't give a shit. I am not her target audience. And yeah, I don't want to have to own 10 years of People Magazine back I, issues to understand your song. Exactly, exactly. But I also think, okay, I, okay, so there are like, let's say, himbos types. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that like, they, they look pretty, and they play cool stuff, and they make things sound good, and super. <laughs> Was that the cat? Oh, I accidentally hit the thing that my left. I thought she was trying to be like Chris. You're describing Chris <laughs> by shifting the camera towards me. <laughs> um, but anyway, that Harry hide. They hide behind the waves, the walls of sound, and then when you talk to them, it becomes very apparent very quickly. They got nothing. <laughs> the anti Bowie. Exactly, and I guess for me. Some of the most compelling... I'm not saying these guys are them. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just trying to think about this whole psychedelic movement, this kind of return of psychedelic rock in some way, whatever. And I think it pairs with some young people that don't... They dig how cool it sounds, and they dig how they can make their instruments sound really cool. But they don't... They haven't really lived too much life, and they don't really have much to say. Oh, yeah. And this is a good cover for that. I don't know. It's funny. I was just watching. I rewatched several days ago. I rewatched the Motorcycle Diaries. It's based on the. Congratulations, Argentina, by the way. Yeah, I know. Hey, yeah, exactly. I, maybe <laughs> I was inspired by that in some way. I don't know. But yeah, but by Ernesto Guevara. Anyway, so he ends up in Peru towards the end of the Leper Colony. And he gives this really magnificent toast. And it's a toast for a united America. It's really beautiful. And for me, I'm just like, I don't know. He has, people like that have a lot. They might not say a ton, but they have a lot of like genuinely thing, relevant, intelligent things to say. And they don't hide behind anything. That's the thing. It's like, there's a lot of people that do say a lot of things and they say a lot of things because they got something to say. It's I, in my experience in American culture, People like that are generally a target, right? Because I think the American temperament, especially maybe like middle of the country temperament is don't say a lot, conservative, <laughs> keep it in, right? And yeah, the, what, there's actually even a term for that in conservative circles, like silent man or the quiet man. The quiet man, right? Yeah. And I think not in not every case, but I think in many cases, the quiet man is a cowardly man. If that makes any sense. Because, like, they don't have the wherewithal to say anything. 
Yeah, what's that What's that old adage that I fucking hate so much? It's oh. like, better to be silent and thought of... Fall Daphne. Yeah, like that. But it's the same side of the opposite coin, which is, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. That's right. At some point, you have to open your mouth and say something, otherwise, you're just gonna get... You're gonna be spoken for. That's right. So, before... And to that end... Before we move on, I do want to be clear that I am a Taylor Swift fan. <laughs> Just to be clear, I'm Swifty. I'm not a diehard, but I would be remiss to sit here and criticize without admitting that I do enjoy her music. Damn, what have we done? What have we done, Jenny? We're we, gonna have to we bring welcome him. this guy. Why <laughs> welcome this guy into our little thing here? No. You okay? Listen, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. One <laughs> of you was the one that suggested that you all listen to Babel. I did, I did do that, but there was, it was very strategic, right? That's very strategic. It wasn't like because we're gonna like this is because we. It was it, a team building exercise. Exactly. We all had to suffer together to right. like, you know, it builds the stuff. Character, very important to build character. Very important to listen to things that you don't want to listen to. Sometimes. Yeah, true, and then to never listen to it again. Correct. <laughs> hey man, you got to know your enemy. Know your enemy. That's right. <laughs> but. Anyway, yeah, look, and not to beat this over, the, it's it just, I've noticed that there are, and not just necessarily in this scene, but just generally, there are smug people that say very little. And I think that saying very little has gotten us not very far in this country. <laughs> Do you know? I think yep. it's outside more of us to say more and at the little. risk of being a fool, at the risk of seeming a fool. I hate to keep bringing it back to Taylor Swift, but that's one of the biggest points of criticism is that she very obviously, or at least seemingly, has these kind of liberal pol politics in her personal life. Yeah. And even, there's even been rumors of her being a closet lesbian, all these other But, like, her refusal to the end of being as marketable as possible to not come out and speak on any of these issues or only obtusely and in an obfuscated manners refer to certain aspects and like to the point where a couple of years ago she was embroiled in a controversy where her music was being touted as like the white ideal <laughs> and she finally had to come out and at least say a thing to stop that narrative <laughs> yeah i understand exactly what you're talking about and again trying to bring it back to this album yeah it is very interesting to see it or hear to put it better like such a clear sound i guess for lack of a better term like this is a cohesive album yeah and it has a very even though each track is different like they have something that is like identifiable as post animal very early on in their career and that's really I, interesting to see i could i also want to i cannot let that whole monologue pass without saying begging that ariel pink still sailor <laughs> about his politics Jesus, you're right about that. Okay, isn't it, I'm done. But isn't it nice? Isn't it nice? Stay I wish I didn't, but I guess if he really stands, get up. Dude, I don't know, man. I don't know. I no, wholeheartedly agree with that. <laughs> and here's the interesting thing, right? If your job is to talk your shit, right? That's your yeah. thing. Yeah. I think. And I've heard him. I've heard you talk your shit, like. I've heard you talk your show for 45 minutes, right? And I think, dude, from what I could tell, again, I'm not an expert whatsoever. From what I could tell, 
I think you do a pretty damn good job of talking your shit. Very. Wait, effective. are you talking about me? Yes. Yes. I might. Oh, uh, oh. By the way, we won Miller. <laughs> and there's a there was a long series of drama. I'm not gonna on the air, but yeah, that was already that was a quick one. Quick wow. down. Nice. Anyway, yes. Like I do, I and I do because I have to be. When you get to that point where you're doing that sort of an argument, you've got to be a sub matter expert, or else you just don't go. Like either you go big or you don't. That's um, right. that's right. But that's but I personally, right? Like I find that admirable, and on some level, enough's enough. Talk your shit, yeah. say your shit. And so, for example, like there are a lot of bands that I'm like, obviously, there's like. An obvious one, and for example, let's take a like a Rage Against the Machine, right? Where they have a lot of courage to be saying what they're saying in their in their music, and like they're far from perfect in any respect. But damn, I admire, I admire the fact that they go out there all the time and talk their shit and do that to like big audiences too. That's the other thing too, right? It's like they they don't forget like why they're doing what they're doing, which is like reach the biggest audience with their message. That's why they signed with a big corporate label. That's why they do big concerts and all this stuff. It's because you're not gonna, you're not gonna change and change things in obscurity. And it gives people like a venue to do that sort of stuff. But I would love to see more psych bands that have some very kind of clear, I mean, maybe it doesn't pair well, I don't know, but they have something very clear. Yeah, I was just trying to think of like an example of a psych band that was like very pause focused or political. And I don't, they have to exist, but I'm struggling to think <laughs> of one. I mean, I do think that it is an issue of the format of the message. It's like rock and hardcore, like it is, and that's why punk is so well suited is it's quick, it's fast, like it's very clear, right. like you're saying six words and you're repeating them for two <laughs> minutes and then you're out of there. And you're already yelling, so you might as well yelling about <laughs> Whereas true. like psychedelia generally is like much more introspective. It tends to be about the individual. It tends to be like the conflict is one of self. It's like looking inward exactly. instead of outward. Okay, okay, two thoughts on that. One is King Giz, they have a couple of records that I think are, in as far as like they have a ton of like messages in their music, are like environmentally friendly, right? Like for sure, yeah. for sure, my favorite of their records, like Flying Like Rotundo, is like very, there's a bunch of songs, there's a song called Nuclear Fusion. I mean, there's a bunch of songs where they talk about these things and they're very. Yeah, isn't, I was going to say, isn't one of their metal albums like all about. The world is ending yeah. and like we caused it. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And so it's, yeah, it's not like they haven't tried to do some of that stuff, which is interesting and cool. And then the second thing is, have you guys ever watched any of the documentaries of Adam Curtis? Do you know who he is? So he's a name sounds really familiar. British. I can say no because I just haven't watched documentaries. <laughs> so he's a British documentarian that works for the BBC and he's been making mini series and like documentaries for quite a while and they're highly political and but they're they have a dreamlike quality to them <laughs> through montage through his some of on some of his films his narration he just recently did a mini series i think four or five six parts i can't remember on russia from 
85 to when Putin took power. And it is, and you, it's all footage. It's all footage from that time. No narration. And it's beautiful and it almost feels dreamlike. And it's highly political. I don't know. Maybe it's not music that this is a, maybe it's not music that's the right format exactly. It's just something like that. I don't know. Cause I do think that talking about, it's interesting that we're starting to draw this connection to politics because like if you do think of like the imagery that is the origin of psychedelia if you would go back to like dadaism and german expressionism highly those are all those are all reactions to political realities and they're also in a lot of instances attempts at shirking and skirting censorship right so like they are inherent inherently political and like the nature of these abstractions and like these what we today consider psychedelic imagery is trying to interpret a shifting and changing world exactly what you were just talking about like 85 to 01 russia like that is a changing landscape right and so i do think that like maybe we are just not as informed on psychedelic music as we might need to be to draw this like we're here and like that last little inch we're missing because I, I have, I would be very surprised if the Dead or some of these other famous psychedelic bands didn't have some messaging in their music. I would just be very surprised. There's no way that drugs like LSD that make you feel one with the universe or things that destroy your ego don't lead to messaging about the need to protect the powerless and help the poor and the less fortunate okay but like it's all in how you do it right because i think for some people that stuff is like so not you know for some people that's you take that to forget about everything not to open your third eye so yeah it's just it's, just, it's just it's i don't know if maybe we got a little off track but that's just something that i'm pretty fascinated interested by just generally and i'm just Curious as to how this kind of psychedelic, this new psychedelic movement will continue to evolve. I hope it it continues to thrive because it's about all that's coming out lately. (laughs) I need it. I need this to continue. That reminds me, I didn't get a chance to put it onto the list just because I randomly stumbled onto this earlier this week. But Spotify actually suggested to me this guy, Ty Siegel. Oh my God. I, I like have not actually sat down and listened to a lot, but I listened to a little bit and I was like, oh, this is tight. Oh, yeah. We, and he's yeah. another one of these chameleons. Totally. Yeah, me and Ryan saw him here at Albuquerque. It was one of our first post-pandemic concerts. And uh, yeah, no, he's very cool. A lot of interesting stuff. There's kind of a folkier side to this music. That... Actually, go ahead. I take that back. Maybe the closest that I can think of is Beavisfrond. Beavis- that that might be psych. That might be a sort of psych that maybe also has like a stronger message. Maybe. That's my best guess. I've listened to some Beavisfrond stuff. They were, they've been around for a long time. Yeah. But I'm not aware. I, I haven't listened closely enough to come away with some kind of political message. I don't know if it's maybe like broadly political, but I think it's like certainly more pointed got it yeah um uh, than this certainly or most types of 
psych style stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, look, I think there's a, it's a big world of lots of different kinds of the source of like, okay. You were saying like how Spotify was hammering you overhead with like goggles. I don't have Spotify. I have my own ways of listening to music, but when I'm in the coffee shop, I drop my kids off at school and then the three days of the weekend. So I usually work coffee shops down downtown in Albuquerque. Uh, and I've been going to this one coffee shop that's pretty close to the kids' school. And there's this band that they've been playing a lot of. And they finally just got me to listen. I was just like, all right, fine. I'm going to listen to all this. And it's this band called Dead, D-E-H-D. Yeah. And... And they're not bad. They're not bad. And I wouldn't exactly call them psychedelic. I don't know what the fuck I would call them. I don't know. A coffee shop music. <laughs> but it... That, I, I feel like even that genre has changed in the last 10 years. It's not a... It's not Mumford Nora and Jones anymore. It's not Mumford and Sons. It's not like that at all. Was it the screen? No, they're cool. Like, the, the coffee shop I went to, they play cool music. They're one of those coffee shops where... The barista actually puts on a playlist or like puts on music they like, which is a thing that is dying because <laughs> go ahead. Jenny, when was it that you finally got into post animal? It was earlier this year, right? Yeah. So we were in Grand Teton, like the morning that we, the first morning that we were in Grand Teton back August, we walked into one of the gift shops and there they was like, Joe. yeah, they were playing Joe. There was a young woman your playlist and she went she got really scared for a second she was like yes and i was like i love joe kiri too and then she's like and she was like relieved so hear what you're saying i feel like there's a lot of pushback to allowing employees to listen to the music that they want to listen to and i guess this time of year especially and you hear so many people complaining about having to listen to the same eight songs for a month and a half dude but look sometimes you have to I feel like people just don't get, like sometimes you have to listen to music together with people and why not listen to good music together with people? <laughs> also, I'm a little bit offended because I feel like maybe like the, to where like this is a national park. We're going to need <laughs> to turn up. <laughs> I just think it's a guy with a beard. I maybe don't look like, at my hair is probably up. Uh, maybe we don't had look like. Yeah, we have face masks on, definitely, which I think sends another political message in this day and age. Okay, so um, I have a question for you yes. guys, completely apropos of just what you just said, but not of this record. <laughs> Do you feel like you get beard or mustache discrimination? Okay, beyond well, brown, beyond like kind of brown, just general brown discrimination. Do you feel like it? it you ever get like people looking at you a certain way because of beard, mustache, combo, solo beard, uh, solo mustache? You gotta remember, like, we're living out here in West Virginia. And, like, the further out country you go, like, the less likely people are to look at you a little askance if your beard's a little bit longer. Got it. I feel like that expectation has shifted in the opposite direction in the last generation or two. <laughs> and also the pandemic, like, everyone grew out beards. Like, or people growing out beards, and I feel like it's just become a more hipster accepted thing at this point yeah and i do think it is like one of the boomer memes that have that holds the most water which is that like what used to be all the signifiers of the meth dealing biker is now just like <laughs> a barista yeah like a literally barista, a barista or like your local 
musician. A brewery. Exactly. Your brewery owner, like small business owner, is going to have a beard and a bunch of tattoos. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. And, and especially like the last three years, like I've just been wearing masks pretty much everywhere I go. Also, if he didn't have the beard, he would get discriminated on at home. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Just putting that out there because I think, especially when I've had the solo mustache. Oh, that's a different. That story. is a very different. Conversation. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying that enough with the solo mustache discrimination. Okay, and I blame fucking CSI and all those fucking shows with like evil. I don't know. Evil P word. Well, dude. listen. Let's say the, the mustache discrimination goes all the to the silent film era with the melodrama because that was one of the ways that you identified that oh yeah dash twirling baddie yeah. the guy tying the woman to the tracks Boris of his gossip style exactly. back to I'm just saying what was the score Rocky the score? Rocky and Bullwinkle yeah but it must actually have a proud tradition in firefight firehouses in particular because they seal well under gas masks Whereas a beard does not. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, man, I think I think it's really just maybe it's a you problem. It might be. <laughs> I'm willing to accept that. There was a, when I first got to New Mexico, it, I guess it would have been 2012, and my daughter was like had just been born, and I was just Katie was teaching, and I was like basically consulting part time, less than part time, less than half time. Katie was teaching, and I was like home with Josephine. For two years, probably. And so I was looking for act fun things to do, like activities, like community service, I don't know, something. And I saw in the paper that they were looking for youth football coaches. Okay. And I was like, I like football and I like football strategy. It could be cool. So I show up with with Josephine to whatever the office is where they are, to the football league office or whatever. And I go there and I, I fill out the thing. And I handed over there and I asked the lady there, I was like, when do you think they'll get a hold of me or whatever? And she just looked at me with just this look like <laughs> they're never going to get a hold of you. <laughs> and, and like, just, uh, she was like, I don't know. We'll see. And, and then I just realized like on the drive home, I was like, okay, I've got solo mustache. I don't have a kid in the league. Don't have a kid playing football. Like, did you have Josephine with you when you went into the office? I did. Like, I did. I don't know. I think I got the thing. I got discriminated. I never. You got profiled. I never got a call. So well, they're they're lost. That was the end of my football coach coaching potential career. I'm sorry, man. I'm gonna coach my. I'm gonna coach my boys in soccer in the spring, though. That will be a. Lot. And you would enjoy that more anyway. But I feel like soccer. It's just a bunch of dudes with mustaches in soccer. <laughs> yeah this is slightly more acceptable looking soccer i don't know anyway all right enough about the facial hair privilege or lack thereof let's let's rate this fucker if we if we would all right chris you're our guest what about you <laughs> let me pull up my little cheat sheet here i do, do the jenny toma mathematical method no okay. no i just i no one ever is as extra as i am listen <laughs> had i been sooner i might have done that but i've just we've been listening to this album i would probably say yeah six months 
pretty regularly. And this was definitely the soundtrack to our trips out west this year to, to Montana, Wyoming, to New Mexico, Colorado. This was definitely on in the car. I put it on my playlist for when I went to visit my family over the summer. Like it was Alonzo. It was my when we were in the parks. All of my I said we're listening only to theme stuff. So we listened to Fleet Foxes, Grizzly Bear, and Post Animals because we were <laughs> in the parks surrounded by beasts. Yeah, you know what? That would I think I feel Fleet Foxes like White it Winter. Worked. White it Winter. Really White worked. Winter have the yeah. be like, oh yeah, a pretty oh. soundtrack for that. It hits unnecessarily hard in the part. Yeah. It's almost like those dudes wrote that music to being heard in the beautiful expanse of this country. But you know, I think I'm going to do it in the opposite direction. I've got Alabaster as my last song, as my number seven, as like absolutely would cut. And I just, I don't know. There's something about, we've been talking about kind of psychedelia and that intrinsically comes with drug use. And to me, that song is just come up anxiety. Like... <laughs> If you can throw it on, like this, what track is this that we're listening to right now? Whale's Tale. Whale's Tale. I do like Whale's Tale. It just doesn't, if I'm going to create a playlist, it doesn't fit the vibe of the rest of the songs. Yeah. It's my number six. I do love Whale's, Whale's yeah. as an individual song, but it is a bit of a filler track, I feel like, on this album. This song is skeezy. <laughs> it's just not the vibe I'm going for on my playlist. I get like Damon Albarn vibes from the vocals. Definitely. I, and I will say, there's not a single song on this album that I don't like. I yeah. like Alabaster. I can see why it's like one of the lead singles off this album. It's a great track. It's got a lot of variety throughout its four or five minute run. But it's just not going to fit the vibe of my playlist. Hovering All Night, very similar to A Whale's Tale, is just like a little too down tempo. So then my top four, which is probably going to be my playlist if I had to cut it down, are in ascending order, Eels... Goggles, Swamp Fruit, and Errol C. Slaps unnecessarily hard. The intro, it just leads you in. You're like, all right, okay. got a little bit of a groove here. A little bit of a drone going on. Okay. And then, yeah, those little vocals in the back that are just like, all right, here we go. It starts flowing, and it's great. Get like a, if Donovan had a super heavy, like... <laughs> Yeah. A heavy guitar vibe off of the song, for sure. Okay, right on. Um, do you have a number out of star stars? For the, play the, for the whole album? Yeah, for the whole record. This is, I would say like four and a half. It's up there. This is a great little album. It's tight. It doesn't overstay its welcome. Almost, it's almost like one of those albums that you kind of was a couple tracks longer, but you're glad it isn't because those probably would have been duds <laughs> or they just would have been lesser tracks. Yeah. It's, it really is just a great compact experience. Huh? Four and a half stars. Okay. Jenny, I'll go next. So it's just so as to let you have the last word there. Yeah. So I cut out, it's funny. I cut out Errol C. <laughs> And I, I cut out Swamp Fruit. Okay. Ah. Uh. Okay, so why did I cut out Errol C? I think because I felt it was like a Donovan song, and this is not to hate on Donovan. I actually, okay, let me just prep this by saying, agreeing with you, Chris. There's not really a bad song here. I like all of them. And in some ways, they lead into each other, and it, it takes you on a journey, and it would be kind of, the songs make sense. But the same way that you feel like Alabaster's like a little skeezy. 
is like the same way I feel about this song and something like in the sense. You can definitely see that. Like, definitely see in the that. sense that it's, I just keep thinking about Donovan wearing like some Technicolor dream coat <laughs> situation. I'm not far off. <laughs> so I just to try to poetically describe what I would cut the song. And then with Swamp Fruit, I don't know. I guess I just felt like it was maybe like one of the lesser. Lovier. Yeah, exactly. It's like yeah. there isn't as much going on that I think is interesting. Like the highs aren't as high as some of the other songs. But it's cool. And this little opening guitar line is really cool too. It's a different vibe. I think maybe that's one of the things that distinguishes me and my listening style from the three of you is that I don't want to have to do work when I'm listening to music. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to have to, like, anticipate a shift. This is exactly 90% of the time, this is exactly what I'm trying to listen to. It's like just very. Exactly. It explains his exactly. Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, listen, it's talking about Soma, man. I like, know. it is, yeah, it's really just, it's a balm. It's nice. <laughs> Okay, also, I think, now that I'm listening to the main riff. And it's... That is interesting Sabbath song nope. riff, right? It's like middle-of-the-road Sabbath riff with less interesting drums, too. But, again, not a bad song. Not at all. And then, as far as just the songs I love, I, in general... I feel if the first song is my favorite song on the record, that's a bad sign. Uh, but that first song is my favorite song on the record. It's epic as fuck. It just kicks things off. It's really the free bird of psych, I think. I'm not him. Whoa. Of psych. <laughs> that, that's a big cut. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's just, it's, it's epic and it's big and it shoots its shot and... It gets you right into things. I remember when you first were like, hey, we're going to listen to this. I played that and I was like, fuck, what is this? And I played it pretty loud in the car too. That was the other thing. And it's big. There's a lot going on. A lot of pretty dramatic changes. So I don't know. Like for me, that's the one that hit. But this by no means the rest of the record didn't disappoint. I actually really do hover it all night, by the way. <laughs> listen. I like that song a lot. It just doesn't fit the vibe of a four-song playlist. <laughs> it is very opinionated and a little bit different from the other records or the other songs. But the first half of it just feels like it's a little bit out of place. With that's really my main complaint. But then the second half of it always brings me back. I'm like, oh wait, well, the half slaps though. It's a the nice breakdown. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking impeccable. Right here. Yeah. Hell yes. Yeah, no, that's cool. But so the second half is like a good Zeppelin riff, like a really good Zeppelin riff. It reminds me of something. Even it's on the ocean. It's like last track on Houses of the Holy. Oh, I Zeppelin. probably would recognize it if I heard it. A Zeppelin song. Yeah, it reminds um, me of that in some way. It also is a little bit more first tame Impala. A, a little bit more inner speaker. Yeah, yeah a little yeah. bit. Yeah, agree, agree. Yeah, I like it. The beginning sounds a little ELO-ish, too, which I like yeah. ELO. But anyway, I think... I think I'm going to give it a four and a half. It was just fun. It was fun to listen to. I'd say the kids' verdict on it was more positive than negative, I would say. 
<laughs> I feel like that's an endorsement. Because they're not, like, this is not music that, this is music that they listen to when their dad plays it in the car, right? <laughs> and number one biggest hit with them was the King Giz record that we did, Butterfly. Yeah. That one, by far, and they still, like, whistle, like, Shanghai and stuff like that. But for this one, I was going to say that Hovering All Night is, like, that I've heard them humming the beginning of that. Right. <laughs> it's a pretty catchy little, there's a pretty catchy little melody at the beginning of that. So I think hmm. I would say more positives than not. So yeah, four and a half stars for me. Jenny, you have the last word. I, I simultaneously feel like Chris is right. Like this really is like a perfect length. And although I always do wish there was more to it, I think you're right. I think that like they, they got out while the getting was good instead of making it longer and adding unnecessary fluff so i gotta like respect that choice assuming that what would have been added was fluff which eh, maybe not or just incomplete sure but i really just like the fact that i can throw it on for half an hour if i'm like baking thing or something if i'm like, do, like doing a task or if i'm driving or whatever it is i'm doing i can throw it on not think super hard about it and really just have like oh, we've been listening to it for what six months I'm not tired of it. I'm not tired of it at all. I know I like on repeats, but that says something. It's been long enough that I should be tired of it by now. <laughs> and it's such an easy listen. And also, I think that this is going to be like, this is just me waxing philosophical at this point. And I didn't oh, have- Oh, Jenny, there's no this episode. I, I didn't really have this thought until you guys were talking about the theme of it. And I think that maybe- it has a feel of the first song when it opens with goggles and like the whole idea is let's put our goggles on and see what's like going on down here. Let's go exploring basically. And the fact that there are seven songs, I feel like each one of them, it's like almost like a seven circles of hell, but it's like seven circles. One represents a little different kind of like exploring. And I just, whether that's actually like the concept or not, like it, that's what I like here i guess maybe it's what it feels like which also is just very cool i feel like it's a little mini get in you get out quick 30 minute adventure and you just it's just like a very well done piece without getting to anything it's like such a sweet spot and i think it's remarkable that like they managed to pull that off again especially just being like their first self-produced ep like crazy yeah. Uh, oh, like who makes this too? That's it. Right? Do you know how fucking hard it is to like make things sound good like in your headphones and in the car and like it's for if this is like really self-produced and like they mix it themselves or engineered it themselves or like the Homeboy Network engineered it or whatever, whoever did it, well done. It sounds great in the car. Like to me, there's some stuff that sounds there's some stuff, especially in this genre of music, that sounds thin in the car. Believe it or and it's all about how it's mixed and all about how it's engineered there. Some, yeah, that's some old dead. You listen to some, or sometimes, oh, I know that this is not how they meant for this to be heard. Yeah, totally. But at the same time, though, I really, I wouldn't cut out of it, even though some of them have different moods. Like the only, like I said, the only that is hovering all night and that's just because the beginning of it feels like it's taking me out of it a little bit but then the second half reels me back in so even when i try to cut that one i'm like oh but the second half so i really wouldn't cut any of it or if you like gun to my head made me that i would get rid of hover 
but swap fruit is actually goggles is my number one but i have to say that it is probably a closest like photo finish with swap fruit which was not initially my favorite but has really worked its way up just because it is i think lately because it's just been hubble which just has such a tempo to it and like a nice little i can get into a groove with it and just stay there which i really like and i'll play a super furry animals for you and you'll see what i'm comparing it to but yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, it's really been such a big part of this year. And it's been like such a comfort in a landscape that I constantly complain does not have enough good stuff these days. Props to Post Animal. I gotta give it, I gotta give it a five because I really would be hard pressed to like take a point. I would. And right it, mathematically, it comes so close to five that if I were rounding up, we'd get there anyway. So, right on. Okay. I guess we can take a little pause here. I added one more song to the added one more song to the playlist. When you were talking, you reminded me of this song by Sean Lennon and Les Claypool's like group, which is called the Claypool oh. Lennon Delir- Delirium. Oh, I've heard of that. It's yeah. really cool, actually. It's some really cool psych stuff. And I'm actually not sure if we can play the whole video. <laughs> <laughs> like on Twitch. TOS. I think so, maybe, but we'll see. It's on YouTube, but whatever. You got a gun, Polity? 